You are listening to The Exchange with Joy and Katie, a podcast that inspires people to pursue their passion with purpose and to make an impact. Advancing the kingdom everywhere. We love to chat with inspiring people to exchange ideas on how we can live radical, Jesus-centered lives on Monday through till Saturday, as well as Sundays. Hello, this is Joy and Katie hosting the Exchange podcast, and we have been speaking to many brilliant people who follow Jesus. We get to know who they are, what they stand for, what their working world looks like, and what God is doing in their lives. And recently, during this season of COVID-19, we've been talking to a whole host of people across various spheres of society, and we've been asking them to just talk to us about how they are experiencing this period of history and how God is really talking to them in this season. Yeah, wonderful. And we're uh, really glad to be joined today by a friend of ours, uh, Paul Benger. He is a leader, uh, really brilliant thinker, always inspires me. Uh, He leads a church in uh, the East Midlands and the North of England uh, called Icon Church and he's part of the ground level leadership uh, team as well. So hi, Paul. Are you doing all right? Hi, Joy and Katie. Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. It's great to be with you tonight. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We are going to dig in a little bit uh, into some of your thinking around Reset. Um, But first of all, we often like to give our listeners uh, a bit more of context about, you know, I've said a little bit about what you do, but we'd love to hear um, some more uh, wider context of who you are, what kind of floats your boat and uh, uh, you're passionate about. So tell us... um, what you were doing at 10.30 on Tuesday morning and then give us a bit about kind of what excites you. Yeah, great. Well, uh, 10.30 Tuesday morning, something I've done actually every Tuesday morning pretty much for the last six months, uh, I've been helping a church uh, that's gone through a particular difficult period. So I've been sitting into their leadership meeting on a Tuesday morning, uh, starting at 10 o'clock, usually finishing around. And 12, so at 10.30, I've been in that meeting. Um, what inspires me and what I'm passionate about is, uh, I guess, the church. I've always been passionate about the church. And um, Jeannie and I, uh, my wife, as you say, we lead this church called Icon. We've got six campuses. And we pioneered that church 33 years ago. So we've seen it through quite a few stages and, and uh, challenges and also great things happening uh, over that period. Amazing. Sounds good. Yeah, and it's great to journey with you with Ground Level as well. Love all your thinking on uh, how God can uh, impact the world around us through his people and through his church. And that's really what we love to talk about today. Uh, So we've been thinking about how we get back on the starting blocks and begin to pray and dream and act towards uh, the reformation of society or uh, some words that you use, the renewal of all things. And um, yeah. I'm particularly thinking about, so what does it mean for us to um, start back because we've had a bit of a pause or 
COVID certainly feels like it's shaken a lot of even the foundations of our worldview, our thinking, uh, the way we assume life is going to go for us, our trajectory in kind of the Western way. And so um, we know you've just done loads of thinking and um, speaking and leading around this. So can you give us some of your thoughts on um, where we've landed in terms of how this whole COVID thing has shaken um, our foundations a bit and what that means for following Jesus? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, the first thing I would say is I am fearful that we will just go back, that we'll we'll slip back into normality. It's a bit like muscle memory, you know, with uh, people who play a sport talk about, you know, they practice a shot or they practice something so many times, their muscles remember. Yeah. And my and my worry, therefore, is that we've had so much, so many generations now of Western thinking. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head of an example, you know, we're not going to get into this, but systemic racism mm. is so inbred, our muscle memory could just take us back. Um, and so that's my first worry, that we will just go back. Uh, I think to combat that, um, it, some people are just trying to make changes, you know, to, but the changes are surface yeah. changes and they're not deep changes. And I think that's that's a problem because they'll just find themselves doing the very same things because they've not fundamentally changed, but they might just do them in a different way. Um so I've been thinking around, you mentioned it, I, I love this phrase and I've, I've lived with this phrase for a few years. It's from Matthew 19, the renewal of all things. And uh, it's, you know, it's where Jesus uses this phrase because Peter Peter asks him a question. He, th- he thinks actually Jesus is talking about money because Jesus has been talking about it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And Peter said, well, that's not me because we've left everything. So what is there for us? And then Jesus says, when the time comes for the renewal of all things. And actually this phrase, it comes from a Greek Greek word, palingenesia. It's a unique word. And we actually think about the renewal of all things at the end of the age. But Jesus was actually saying that right now I'm actually dismantling the world. I'm dismantling the world system, empire, religion, Mm. sin. I'm taking it all apart. And I'm, I'm trying to give you a new world to live in, which is the world of following Jesus, the world of discipleship. And I feel if, it, if COVID has any success, that's a strange thing to say about COVID, doesn't it? Or, or the COVID season. It would be if our whole foundation is dismantled and we're thrown back on a discipleship model of following Jesus and uh, and and that really we we are able to look at things and say it may not be just a bad thing it's not that we want to burn the house down we don't want to do that mm. but but it may not be a bad thing if certain things are dismantled so that we can actually get to the place where what what really matters here what does it really mean to live you know a fruitful life following following in Jesus. So, so my view is that COVID potentially has that ha, has that within it. However, my fear is that we'll just go back to muscle memory and we'll just end up doing the same things. And I actually think that some people will change externals. Mm. 
but the internals will never change. So all the same stuff will be there under the surface. And other people might not look too much different externally, but actually something fundamentally would have changed under the surface. So I, I know that's a little bit uh, um, random and that could lead us into all kinds of directions, but uh, maybe that can get us going. Because I think it flows from the principle of death and resurrection, mm. that, yeah. that for a resurrection to happen, there has to be a death. That's good. And that, that principle is all the way through. It's all the way through creation, obviously all the way through Scripture, but it's all the way through creation. Something dies so mm. that something else can come to life. Mm. And usually it's something that's, that's different than what was before, something that's more complex, but comp- I don't mean complex in uh, a negative sense, something that's more more beautiful and, and better. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's such a good analogy. And I think, you know, listening to what you're saying, it's almost like we've been for so long in this place of comfort, haven't we? And nothing's really shaken us to a point where, across the world something really hits us as it has where we've all been in this same boat together and actually I think to be taken out of this comfortable place as um, as a society I wonder whether almost it has something to do with how long we're in that level of discomfort and you know are we are we able to just go back into that comfort but or actually are we going to be taken out of it for long enough to actually have to rebuild yeah yeah, and again, I think, I think, I think that's probably the unknown whether actually we are being shaken enough uh, to, um, you know, like hunger uh, has one impact on us, but starvation has a different yeah. impact. And I don't, I think we're hungry, mm. but I'm not sure we're starving mm. just yet. And I, and I think. <laughs> I know we're using metaphors and analogies, but I think if we were, if we really got, you know, Jesus, when Jesus says that if those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's this deep longing that we need. And my, my fear, and even for the Christian world, obviously that's the world I work in mostly, not exclusively. The Christian world is that we're hiding away, Mm. like wait, just waiting to go back rather than, actually being shaken enough yeah and i and i i think we need i need we need to be shaken uh, we need we need to have some impact some hunger and some thirst so that we actually do make some shifts that that fundamentally change the future yeah that's really good i've i've got loads of questions from just what you've said but i think one of the things that really stands out she said we don't want to burn the house down but we we do need to see some things dismantled and you talked about death and then resurrection comes after death. What are the things in your opinion, like not um, necessarily talking about the church, but talking about society and um, life in general, what do you feel like needs to be dismantled? Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I think first of all, let's, let's start with the Christian, the, in, in, we have been discipled more by our culture than we have by Jesus. Yeah. And so in the church, that's got to be, in the church, it's got to be, that's got to be dismantled. And I think if God wants to do anything in the church, he, he wants us to stop thinking like Western people 
or any other type of people. And he actually wants us to think like Jesus mm. people. And, and the, the problem, and even as I say this, I know I'm pointing fingers at myself because the problem is we all do that, and I do that. I filter Jesus through a Western mindset, and I filter Jesus' words through a, a, you know, a post-enlightenment world of how we view things. And I think one of the great things that's happening in the Christian world, and I know we don't just want to think about that, but in the Christian world, is we're starting to understand a little bit first century culture yeah. so that we can, we can um, what can I say, we could refilter the words of Jesus more accurately. Mm. I'm not going to say perfectly, but more accurately, because we suddenly realize, like what I've just said, Matthew chapter 19, that Jesus wasn't talking about the ultimate end there. In fact, the New Testament uses an, another word for when it talks about the ultimate. He was talking about the world as you've known it, needs to end so that you can enter the new world of God's kingdom. Mm. It was an immediate thing. We only know that now because of those cultural studies. I think I think we've there's there's stuff in our, our world that needs dismantling. I think for me personally, some of the things that have hit me hard, I would say in this season has been racism. Mm. And obviously that, that probably began for me with uh, George Floyd. I think there was a tinge after Armoud Arbery, if I've said his name right. Yeah. But um, but then George Floyd, where that broke us all, I think, or mm. broke many of us. And that just made me start talking to black people in our church, talk to people who were experts in this that field. In our church, we were already on a journey, but it actually... Uh, began to make me realize this stuff that's got to be dismantled, that we're denying is even existing, and we're still denying that it's existing. So I think around that 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 whole thing, the, the racism would be one thing. I think, I think our political systems mm. as well. Um, I, like, I'm cautious when I, I say this because, you know, I can't stand up and say, hey, here's a better better way um but i think there's stuff in our political systems that is just unjust yeah you know well i I mean let me give an example and i don't fully understand how this works but but um i think i was thinking recently what if i went into politics and i thought well i don't think i could because any political although i'm a member of a political party and i'm only a member of a political party because i i'm i want to be politically active but I'm not politically aligned. Mm. So what I mean by that is if, if that party or and I want to be able to say the truth as I see it yeah. and contribute. So I'm not politically aligned. I'm just a member of a party so that I can be active in, a, in that world. But if I ever went into politics, the problem I would have is when the whip says you've got to vote this way, mm. because straight away that fundamentally to me, um, devalues my my thinking, my thoughts, my contribution, and it actually promotes an unjust and in just an unjust way, and the power of empire again, and that's what needs dismantling because empire, and this is what Jesus is speaking against. I think is that whole empirical 
Because empires, ultimately, even though they might look like they want to do good, we're getting deep, aren't we? Yes, brilliant. (laughs) Empires, although they might want to look good, ultimately end up crushing. They always will crush people in their way. And that's so the Roman Empire, for example, went into a place and they declared the peace of Rome. Hey, we've come to do you good. Mm. But they ended up crushing the local people, because their their system was that whole system of control. So I think we've got to rethink power. We, we've got to rethink leadership. Mm. And um, and we like for me, the more we could refound the world on the ideas of Jesus, mm. the better. Wow, you know. And so you you mentioned about discipleship and um, being not discipled by culture, but discipled by. Um, Jesus and uh, yeah. his teachings um, and we've been uh, digging into some different habits and practices that uh, people have been talking about to do just that and we'd love to really hear uh, f- how how you and your church community um, uh, b- placing habits or practices or di- disciplines around yourself so that you can be discipled by Jesus and not by uh, culture what are your kind of practices Great. Well, I, um, many, many of these are sort of personal and, and perhaps would be the top of my per- personal list and some of them would then affect our community as a church that, they, that we would value very highly as a church. So for me, one, one habit is the habit of silence. Mm. Oh, and I might say within silence is mindfulness. And that's the that's the sense of stopping the noise in my life mm. and have, having moments each and every day just of just of silence, um, you know, and just just not, not long moments, but just where there isn't any noise, there isn't any distraction, and I'm just alone with my thoughts. Because I think our thoughts are our thoughts are prayers. Mm. I even think I think I think our breath is even. Anyway, I'm getting mystical now, but I am a, I'm a I am a closet mystic, so I don't really mind that. I think I think our thoughts are prayers. Our conversations are prayers. You know, you, you know, people talk about praying, and they think about prayer as you've got to spend this one hour talking mm. to God. I I just think if you're living your life with God and in His presence. Everything becomes a prayer. Mm. Everything becomes a, a Godward direction. So silence would be one mindfulness. And just, uh, just on that, Paul, I think it's it'd be worth just, just kind of taking a moment to explore that because I think we don't necessarily realise that we don't do that as society. You know that that things maybe creep in like social media or things that take up our time and get in the way of of giving ourselves space. So I think for many of us, even just taking a moment to think, yeah, I actually don't have any silence in my life and and almost acknowledging that before you think maybe that's something that I need to to delve into. And on that, I've got a bit of a question, Paul, for you because I think... um, uh, knowing you like reasonably well I think I know your personality and um, I'm I've been really enjoying getting into Myers-Briggs um like kind of personality types and what's really interesting is I think like maybe we're a little bit similar and um I what if you hate silence like what if it's not a natural thing for you or that you feel like you've 
you avoid it intentionally like how does how do you and your personality like manage that what do you do it's a great question because uh because i i don't really like silence and i think the quick answer is you don't do a lot of it but you do do some of it and like so so and for me silence is about shutting off the distractions so um like uh, Jeannie and i decided that we would um have a day 24 hour period where our smartphones would be off. It's normally a Monday, and uh, I made an exception today because um, this is a Monday and we're doing this call. But um, uh, so I turned it on this evening. But it's normally literally on a Monday morning. We put turn them off, put them in a drawer, and we bought a cheap fourteen ninety nine pound fourteen pounds ninety nine Tesco phone. And there's only four people have that number, and that's our three children and uh, one of my fellow leaders at church and they can only ring on an emergency, not for any other reason. And so we literally put the, put the phones in a drawer. We have a 24 hour period because this, that's a, a long period where we can just shut off the distractions. It doesn't mean that we're not, not talking to each other. We're talking to each other, but we're not talking about church. We're not talking about work. You know, we might, we might be, going out we might be doing things we it's we're certainly not spending 24 hours locked in a room <laughs> chanting or anything like that but you know you know but it's for me silence is about just shutting off all the distractions and mm. i find that when i when i do that i i i i create this rhythm or this posture of just being for me being with god I'm present with God and it's not that I'm praying and it's not that I'm, you know, reading the Bible or I am not doing that, but it's actually, I'm breathing, I'm breathing yeah. fresh air. Do you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm pausing and I'm breathing fresh air because, um, I've, I've all of the normal distractions in my life. No, cause I, cause I'm every other day for me, and you, you'll know that joy for me is absolutely stacked. Mm. It's 100 mile an hour, and I love it. It's mm. chaotic. I, I thrive on chaos. Uh, mm. You know, yeah. I, I, love, I love all of that. But that has become a little bit of a rhythm for me. Um, and, and that's the phone thing has really helped me, I have to say. Wow. And I w- I'd recommend it to everybody, even if you do half a day or you do evenings. Yeah. Some people, you know, you might have to have your smartphone on all the time. Um, in during the day for work, but but let me say this: like, you, you sh- your work shouldn't be all the all the time, mm. twenty four hours a day. Mm. So even if it's evenings, you know, whatever you decide, one evening a week, two evenings a week, that's it. Those distractions have gone. I'd I'd, I'd recommend that. You know, I think people have to find their own rhythm and pace for all of this stuff but but just take some time and just shut those distractions yeah I think that's one of the best pieces of advice that we've heard to be honest because I think you know just this idea that you have intentionally made a choice that you want to spend your time in a certain way that that needs to look different to how it's been and almost that you've come to the conclusion that that your phone is taking away that choice. You know, you're when when we're using our phones, we're determined our time is determined by other people or social media or things that are just, as you say, distraction. But you're almost deciding, do you know what? And therefore I'm going to remove this. Um 
I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And I also love the fact, because when you mentioned that, Paul, I thought for myself, oh, I couldn't do that because I've got certain people that are dependent on me and I just couldn't cut them off. But the fact that you've yeah. then removed that blocker that probably comes into many people's mm-hmm. minds when they think about it yeah. and you thought, no, we can take an action here. We can get a phone that isn't a smartphone that that uh, gets around that issue. And again, you've taken action to actually make it happen. So I, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 14.99 from Tesco's. There are other reputable outlets Brilliant. that do sell them as well. <laughs> um, I'd just love just to ask a couple of questions about what were the things that you, did you notice any sense of anxiety or like, um, or was it just like a big like relief and party that you turned it all off? Like were the, what were your feelings and emotions connected to that? I think I got to a place where I knew I had to do something. Um, I've, I've, I've got a coach, a personal coach, uh, somebody I pay to talk to me for an hour every month. Um, uh, again, that might be a good piece of advice for some people listening. And it's just, just a person. And I found myself constantly talking to this person each month and saying, my screen, you know, my screen time is massive. I want to pull my screen time back. Mm. And, you know, I find, I find myself... I, I, you know, I find that the phone side of me when I'm in, in the lounge with, you know, I'm with Jeannie or I'm watching TV and then I'm just picking it up and I'm flicking through and, you know, and like so many of us are because that little dopamine hit of another like or another comment, you know what, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and I was just talking to this, this person and I thought, you know, I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm going to do something about it. So I feel like I got I'd got to the place where I realised there was a, a I realised I should change this, um, but I didn't quite know how to change it. And so and so then I just thought, well, like you could go to the extreme and get rid of your phone altogether, but that's not really. But then I thought, hey, here's what I can do. And so so that that. That's what I did. Um, I, like, you have to be disciplined to, to turn it off on that day. So still every Monday, there's still a discipline yeah. to do that. Um, uh, and there can be a little bit of anxiety. But but I think, we, I think I'd got so far to the place, I knew something had to happen. I didn't feel the anxiety of what if somebody needs to contact me because I'd actually dealt with that. By the four people who, you know, are given that permission, that those people, if they can get me, then then that's fine. Anything I need to respond to, I can respond to. Wow, that's so good. Yes, really brave, I think. Um, just on, like, obviously a lot of the people that we talk to aren't church leaders, and obviously the rhythm yeah. of your week is Sunday's quite big, and so um, you clearly have a break on a Monday is that right so that's why you turn your phone off on a Monday yeah so I try to do a Sabbath yeah a proper a proper Sabbath Friday um Friday through to um Saturday mm-hmm. and and like for me the whole principle of Sabbath and, it, and I don't do it that just because that's the weekend and it works I don't do it because that's the Jewish Sabbath and I, there's anything spooky about that but on Friday, so on Friday night, that's that's a time for like family and friends, yeah, you know, and others. 
so once once a month, at least once a month, we invite somebody to dinner Great. on a Friday night, and that's just time to hang out and have fun. So, so that's part of the rhythms. Easy to do, I think. Mm. I think one of the things that COVID, I think one of the lessons we've not let, yet learned, but we will hopefully learn, is how much isolation is a killer, yeah. and and how much we need community and communion with other people there's a verse in proverbs i i don't know forgive me for not knowing the reference but it says this the man who isolates himself rages against all sound judgment hmm. wow wow and yeah, uh like uh i mean that that verse i can remember it stuck with me just the power mm. the negative power yeah. of isolation yeah. And that's why we have in our country, we have a minister for loneliness yeah, because right. loneliness wow. is such a big problem. Wow. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't know that, but there's a government minister and department for loneliness because the statistics are when people feel lonely, everything gets heightened. Yeah. Like, like, like unhappiness in any area of life, whether mm. it's work, family, uh, health, relationships, whatever everything gets heightened when people experience loneliness wow yeah and so you on friday nights you do your sabbath yeah. with often with other people but what what um, makes a sabbath stand out on a saturday what are those practices well it's rest as well so so the sa- sabbath is i think the sabbath is is worship and mm. um, which which i throw into the sunday mm-hmm. pretty much it's family it's rest and it's others. Yeah. I think I think that's kind of this, my my little. If I had a little matrix for what a Sabbath is, that's what it would be. So I, I try and, and and I bring into this this sense of doing something you love. I, like because have have you found when you feel um, when you feel low or you feel down or you feel your life's not got meaning. You stop doing the stuff you love. Yeah, 100%. You curl up in a ball and do nothing or you you veg out on another Netflix series and then you're depressed because you've wasted a week or or whatever. You know what I mean? But you get to tell all your friends about, you know, so there's there's an option. But actually you stop doing the things you love. Mm. Um, And so we, some years ago as a church, we had this phrase, love God, love people, love life. And I feel the love life bit is as sacred as the love God bit. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Love life is as sacred. Do something you love. Do something you enjoy. So so here's one thing I love. Second-hand vinyl records shops. So Saturday morning, (laughs) once, twice, once, twice a month, I'll I'll nip into Sheffield because there's a couple of great ones there, and I'll spend a couple of hours... And, you know, take 20 quid and I'll get three vinyl albums or a couple of vinyl albums, whatever. Because I just love, I love vinyl records. And I do something I love. And it is water to the soul. Love that. It is water to the soul. I love love golf. And normally on on a Monday, if it's fine, I play nine hours of golf, which takes two hours with my son, Nathan. We played this morning. Don't ask me how I played. He played amazing. <laughs> but yeah, but I, this is what we've not taught people. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That, that 
God is for the whole of life. Yeah, totally. So, so, so I don't care what it is you love, as long as it's legal. <laughs> but do something yeah. you love. Very good. And do you know yeah. what? I think that will be very powerful to many people that are listening because I think for many people you know do something you love it's so easy to forget about what you love when it's taken away from you for for a period of time and you know coming out of um of lockdown suddenly people can't go to dance classes or they can't go to um their acting or their singing and suddenly we stop doing it but I love that just taking a moment to remind each other what do we love what did we love and how can we get back into that and Maybe it will look different, um, yeah. but but let's not let it die. I just think think that's really powerful. Yeah. And don't ever believe the lie that it's less sacred well, than yeah. anything else. It's it's as sacred as prayer. Well, yeah, that's, that's what great. I believe. And in fact, it is prayer. And anyway, but that's that's another mystic moment. Amazing. We've just, um, uh, I think there's absolutely loads of gold here, Paul. We've just made a bit of an executive decision across the table that we're going to um, see, see if you've got time and continue on to this, onto a second episode. Um, would you be able to stick around with us for another 20 or so minutes? Yeah, sure. Sure. If you think there's some... Uh if there's some content there yeah, is. that we can get into. That's great. great. Well, right. um, why don't we say thanks to our listeners for listening. Um, we've really loved chatting to Paul and you can catch him on the next episode of the Exchange podcast as well, where we'll be digging into even more of the practices uh, that uh, are, enable us to be discipled by Jesus and not by culture. Thanks for listening to the Exchange podcast with Joy and Katie and this week, Paul Bender. <laughs>